You're tuned into the Awakening Zone Radio Network, your news and information source for empowered spiritual awakening. Welcome to Pure Presence with multidimensional communicator and visionary speaker, Susie Miller. Hello, and welcome to Pure Presence All About the Kids. This show is dedicated to those children who are perceived as disordered, yet are far from that, and to the parents, professionals, and caretakers who support them. From my vantage point, it is clear that we have a population of children who meet with unique challenges in their physical experience, yet who also present with an expansive awareness beyond what is simply physical. These children possess gifts which are unique and frequently misunderstood. The intention of this show is to unravel those misunderstandings, provide an expanded awareness of just who these children are and the energetic support needed to help balance you and them as you navigate this very new experience. The energetic support will be offered as a guided meditation during the last 20-minute segment of each episode. Parents and children can listen in together, or you can simply intend that your child receive the benefit of the information you receive as well as the energy work. As you will soon learn, your children are more than capable of receiving these gifts without being physically present. However, because the energy work is directed to the children, it is necessary that you provide parental permission for them to receive it. Giving permission is as simple as registering your child at susiemiller.com forward slash register kids. Again, that's susiemiller.com forward slash register kids. Once registered, the energy work for each episode will be directed on behalf of you and your child, and your child will remain on the list until you choose to remove them. We currently have 537 children who are registered for these episodes. So thank you, everybody, for being here today. Um, Today I'd like to introduce you to a special guest and friend, Jackie McMillan. Jackie is the founder of Thrive with Autism. She developed this work through her very personal experience with autism. Jackie was diagnosed as an adult but had much symptomology as a child as well. And you will soon hear that she is really thriving beautifully um, with her experience. I've asked her to join you today so that she can share what really works. After hearing from Jackie, there will be a short energy session at the end of this episode to support the full integration of the information that she's provided. So, Jackie, are you there? Welcome to Pure Presence, all about the kids. Thank you, Susie. It's nice to have you here. I'm just delighted to be here. Thank you. Jackie, one of the reasons that, you know, I, you are the first person that I've had um, on Pure Presence as an interview, and I, it, when I met you um, and we had that first couple conversations, I know you spoke for the certified practitioners, it just really, you really moved me and motivated me in all kinds of ways um, because you seem to have a very strategic piece of information about, you know, what it is to have that diagnosis, what it is to actually support that diagnosis, kind of body, mind, and spirit. So I'm really excited to have you here today. One of the first things I do want to ask about is, you know, I know as a child you were you had, did not have your diagnosis yet, but you had a lot of the symptomology and characteristics of what we would know as autism. Can you tell us a little bit about what your experience was like as a child? Yes. Um, from from birth, I was colicky, and so my father has stories of of wheeling me along city streets at 3 a.m. so my mother could get us. Uh, a bit of rest and and getting stopped by police officers who thought that a man going 90 miles an hour with a with a, <laughs> a, a pram was probably stealing something and so they all got to know him and would wave him on when they saw him because as soon as he stopped moving quickly and jostling me I would I would scream again 
Um, I uh, I ate my dolls. I ate the blankets in my crib. I ate the vinyl piping off the chairs in our kitchen and off the seats in our car. Anything that was vaguely chewy, I was chewing. I, I rocked. I droned. Um, I was verbal, uh, but it was a little slower coming, and uh, and I did have pronunciation difficulties. But I, my mother was a teacher, my grandmother was a teacher, and I, I had an older sister who was a, a very capable drill sergeant. And um, <laughs> and so you know, between those three things, um, I was I was pretty well equipped by the time I hit you know daycare and preschool and that kind of thing in terms of the information that I was going to be required to take in, but um, socially I I was not equipped. And uh, I was, you know, as many children in the autistic spectrum were, I was rather severely either bullied or shunned. And, um, and that was a, a pretty awful experience, being emotionally friable enough that you're just not welcome with your peers. And... Um, the cognitive variability was so frustrating. You know, other people seem to have good days and bad days, but when you're when you're in the autistic spectrum, it's like you have you have just these few periods of time where everything comes in with clarity, and you can remember and you can integrate, and then and then you just kind of dip back into the fog again, and and everything gets confused and hazy, and and you can't. You can't interact and you can't grasp what's going on around you and how to participate. Um, and you know that that pretty well went on until I was I was about 11 years old. Um, I had a a really wonderful thing happen at, at age 11. Which was? <laughs> oh, um, well, my my parents had sent uh, my siblings off to this summer camp before. Um, and they they had held me back because they were really concerned. They had kind of different rules and different privileges for the others that I did not have because they just knew I wasn't coping well. Although there was no no talking about it, mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't know until much later what was actually going on. But anyway, at age eleven, they sent all, all of us off to this um, wilderness canoe tripping camp for a month, oh, nice. and. Uh, I I was breathing fresh air. I was drinking clean water. I was eating uh, what amounted to mostly plant foods. Um, I was I was rocking back and forth all day in a canoe <laughs> and singing, <laughs> and nobody <laughs> and was, was getting acceptable. mad at me, <laughs> you know. Um, and there were so many pieces that came together at that camp. And my function just at this really gradual climb and climb and climb, and my emotions were smoothing out, and and my thinking and memory were getting easier and easier, and and I, it stopped. You know, my my body stopped having so much pain in it, and right. and I actually realized that you didn't have to. It didn't have to hurt to digest food. That was that was the first time that I, I realized that this wasn't a normal thing for everybody. I, I asked the girls in my cabin about it. You know. You know, does does your belly hurt when you eat? And they're like, what are you talking about? And I just thought, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, something else just to keep completely quiet about. Um, but it, it sounds like that piece is, you know, almost like a a divine intervention. You know, whether your parents knew that that was going to be successful or not, you know, who knows. But obviously it really made a huge impact. And I'm wondering, you know, you mentioned you clearly also had a lot of sensory issues and things like that as a child. I mean, looking back, were there experiences or situations or people who made those aspects of your life easier? You know, can you look back on that now and go, oh, they did this thing, and now I know why that works? Mm, yeah. Um, I had a grade three teacher who who was very, very strict and kept the classroom quiet and very organized and um grade three i i coped so well with and then mm-hmm. um in grade six i had a teacher this was just after my first summer at the camp who who registered that i was a target in the schoolyard and i was um i was n- not coping well and and 
I didn't realize until years afterward what he was doing. But he asked me if he would, I would supervise the, the AV equipment in the classroom over lunchtime. Mm-hmm. And he said, could you just, you know, eat your lunch in here and make sure that nothing happens to, you know, the films and the, the equipment. And, and, you know, I'm going to leave the door locked and, you know, I just, I just want to make sure that nothing's going to happen to it. And, and mm. what he did was he gave me respite. Mm. He gave me a spot where I could have peace and 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 not the same kind of negativity that would happen in unsupervised social environments. Mm. Um, and I also had some music mentors um, through the church and um, and in other places who really recognized that um, music was m- more to me than just something to do. There was something in it that was really calling to me. Um, and uh, and who found ways to open that door for me. There was a singing and orf teacher who was just wonderful, and and the choir master at my church, um, you know, moved me up to the adult choir because of my my skill level at age thirteen. And and uh, and there were people in that choir who you know recognized that I needed extra support in a variety of ways and found ways to do that. And that was a that was a real gift to me. So it probably really helped to be in a in the company of adults who could take that into consideration versus being in the company of children who may not not have the maturity yet to know what kinds of things were needed. That's one of the biggest challenges with this whole, you know, socialized the autistic children movement is we're only children for a certain length of time, and children are building the experience that allows them to go with the flow. But as a child, when you're when you're with the same age cohort all the time, the way we organize our our kids, they don't they don't. Um, Unless they're specifically taught, they don't accommodate differences. They're mm-hmm. not willing to recognize and, and welcome those differences. And many times in the company of adults is the safest and, and, and best place for us to unfold into social skills and any other skills because those adults can, can appreciate the special skills that we have that are well above and beyond our age group skills and can also um, be gentle and generous with the ways that we are not we are not at the same skill level as our as as kids are expected to be at the ages that we're at yeah absolutely so i mean i i'd like to what do you believe are some of those um special skill sets Jackie and what, oh. what were they noticing that that the that the children would not be able to notice? Well, there's a there's a level of of detail um, that that we capture that's above and beyond. Um, you know, whether it's visual detail or auditory detail, it's like our entire nervous system is on high volume. And and so we're we're taking in a lot more information than more people than other people, and we're we're integrating more information, and it's it's very tiring. <laughs> so it can be really <laughs> overwhelming in chaotic environments. But what it means is that we notice very quickly what's working and what's not working, and we're fascinated by what's what's working and how to make it work better. Mm-hmm. So we have many many different interests, but. Um, Whatever our specific interest is, there's this constant refining process going on, usually in the head, um, that that is a, is about that worked well. What would work better, and what would work better than that, and what would work even better than that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes such makes such good sense. Yeah, absolutely. I know that also, you know, through your lifetime, you've really gained enormous knowledge in areas of diet and medicine and energy work and all kinds of other modalities which support this integration. And I'm wondering, you know, from your vantage point, what would be some of the 
first things that a parent should really pay attention to or really focus on um, if they have a child diagnosed with autism? Oh, well, the top pick is definitely um, compassionate understanding, which, you know, is in the envelope of love. Um, and, And that compassionate understanding, every single one of the behaviors, that we autistics engage in that that drive people crazy (laughs) are expressions in one way or another of of stress or pain or of us trying to do something about the stress or pain that we're experiencing. And and when, when people around us can see those behaviors coming to the surface in circumstances that are higher stress or higher pain for us, and are able to even just acknowledge that those are more painful, more stressful. Rather than getting upset with us for the behaviors, that mm-hmm. can make an incredible difference because the the emotional tone that we're surrounded by, we take on as our own. We All, all humans do that, but I think that autistics take it on more. It's like we don't have a boundary at our skin. It's like the the experiences of everyone around us are emotionally incorporated into our own inner landscape. And so when there are people around us who are angry at us and disapproving of us and critical of us and 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 embarrassed by us, we take that on as 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 ourselves being the problem. And and really it's not us at all. It's it's that we have very sensitive systems in in a culture that has allowed itself to move really far outside of the optimal range of tolerances for human mm-hmm. beings mm-hmm. and it's it's showing up in a lot of ways that we're not living the way we are it we're not living in a way that allows any of us to thrive Yeah, I think because we've also forgotten our, um, we're so detached from our own emotional bodies. You know, I've heard the kids have said over and over again, you know, we we don't care how you feel. We care that you know how you feel. Because, you know, that place of knowing how you feel, being conscious and aware of where your own emotions are, your own emotional body, it seems to me it's the very thing that allows an individual to be in that state of love, appreciation, acceptance for what somebody else is going through because they're in love and appreciation and acceptance for their own emotional, you know, emotional stuff. Yes. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. So focusing on that, on that state of love, that appreciation, you know, it, it sounds, you and I have also talked about this whole thing about, you know, creating those environments, creating those environments of of acceptance and just how powerful that can actually be. And there's a stepping into our responsibility when we're willing to be in that state of truth with ourselves. There's a very different energy around us in, in terms of uh, other people being much more able to step into their own truth for yeah. themselves. And and the more that you can create that space around you, the more easy it is to to see those places that are unhappy and uncomfortable and in turmoil and in pain and 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 do something effective about them. Mm-hmm. One of the things that has shown up a lot too is, you know, something is simple as the comment, I notice. um, A lot of times when we'll have conversations with parents, something about even changing the language, I notice that you're feeling this way today. You know, I notice that this particular situation is really troublesome for you or challenging for you. Something about that word, I notice, does just that. It allows the, it allows the child to know that they've been seen. It doesn't necessarily make it go away or make it better, except for the fact that there's a an awareness 
that you're being seen and you're being acknowledged. You're not being condemned or um, put upon emotionally um, through that experience. Yeah. 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 Very much so. That that sense of um, I don't know how to support you effectively, but I, I just want to recognize that this is hard for you. Right. And I can tell it's hard for you. Yeah. Um, you know, even just somebody saying that, there's this sense of relief of, yes, it's hard, I'm coping, and and somebody somebody knows that it's really hard, and, and they will help when they know how to help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Um, Jackie, there's all kinds of, you know, interventions and treatments for autism out there now, and it, and you know we look at diet, we look at cognitive support, um, emotional support, all of these kinds of things. But it, why is it that with some children, you know, some some techniques work and some don't? I mean, I've had parents who have even things like the diet, different diets. They've ch- tried different diets, and for one reason or another, they work or they don't work. Can you give me an idea from your vantage point of why? Some interventions and treatments help, and why others, um, you know, why some people are impacted by those treatments and other people are not when they have similar characteristics. Well, first and foremost, diet will always help, even if it doesn't seem like there's any obvious impact from going on to an optimal diet, like the GAPS diet that's 95% plant food. What you're doing is you are providing that person's system with all of the repair materials that they need for the maintenance and repair that their system is behind on. And if you if you think about, you know, replacing your roof when it has some leaks in it, you can't do anything if you don't have roofing materials and if you don't have nails or screws and if you don't have, you know, whatever sheeting goes down underneath those roofing materials. There's a lot of stuff you've got to have. And and an optimal diet, the diet that all of us thrive the best on and live the longest, healthiest lives on, is very, very clear from the research now. And going on that diet means that you are doing no harm with food, which mm-hmm. unfortunately it's very easy to do right now. Now, mm-hmm. in terms of why some children... It seemed to improve so quickly with particular treatments and not other children. Well, you can have different types of of uh, injury that cause the same symptom picture in a person. And when I when I look at um, adults who have never shown any autistic symptoms before who have some kind of injury, like a, like a head injury or a crazy trauma, um, these, sorry, That's I don't okay. know where it is. I can't bring <laughs> no it off. Worries. I'm going to go in another room. Okay. Um, these five types of injury will cause, um, will cause symptoms in an adult that look very much like autism, but we don't call it autism because, we know what the injury is, and we know how to resolve it, at least to some extent. Now, when you take those same treatments that will resolve that type of injury and you, you give those treatments to autistic children, some of the children will recover. Mm-hmm. What we have is we have five root causes in autism, and and each of these may or may not be in play at any, in any particular individual, and some of them are are the into almost the entire cause for that child some of them are are just you know not there at all and so they're not going to have an impact so these these five are um three that that were uh present before the first world war and and then two that have been much much more dominant and have been the reasons behind the skyrocketing incidence of autism so that the three that were before were unresolved trauma and immune uh, immune dysfunction and um, and brain and nervous system injury from any time from in utero through the birth process onward, and then the the two that are causing the skyrocketing incidents are 
our gut dysbiosis, which means dis is wrong and bio is life, so wrong life in the gut. We have the wrong gut bugs. And then the the other one is, is impaired detoxification. Now, mm. when you look at um, the data from um, the medical doctors who are actually paying attention to autism and doing the research that's relevant to parents, what you're seeing is there are no children anywhere in the autistic spectrum who do not have impaired detoxification and do not have gut dysbiosis. Mm. Now, to some extent, you could argue that there are very few children globally who don't have gut dysbiosis now because, um, you know, there are researchers who are trying to study the gut microbiome, the the ecology that lives in the gut, and, and they're having trouble finding people who have intact, digestive systems, digestive systems working right. in a healthy way. They're right. having to work really, really hard to find people to study a healthy gut. Right. I, I, one of the other pieces that keeps coming to my mind as you're talking about, you know, the the gut and the challenges in the gut, you know, I mean, from my energetic kind of vantage point of this population and from my own experience, being very energetically sensitive myself, it's I I notice and have been told over and over again that when you kind of function also more out of the body than in the body, when you're more connected to subtle energies than dense energies, there is a tendency to create all kinds of free radicals. I know when I started working pretty um, consistently. Um, in with you know more subtle energies, working with the certified practitioners, the radio show, things like that. All of a sudden, I was also having a lot of um, digestive issues, a lot of gut issues, a lot of fogginess in the brain. Some of the the very symptomology that you talk about, and and looking at that from the vantage point of um, those subtle energies, really creating. Um, one, the free radicals, but also that that lack of presence, I guess, if you will, in the lower chakras in particular, and how even that absence has a tendency to create um, create a lot of discord in the gut. Yes, it's interesting. It's it's a it's a chicken and egg thing. Um, yeah. You know, when you're carrying higher energies, anything that's a lower frequency that comes into your system wreaks a lot more havoc because your system really recognizes this does not belong here and we need to get it out. Mm-hmm. And inflammation is one of the ways that our body um, breaks down and moves out things that shouldn't be there. So, you know, anything that you're doing that is, that is bringing higher energy frequencies, increasingly higher energy frequencies into your system on a regular basis, is is in, in essence demanding that you clean up your act on a physiological mm-hmm. level. Right. Everything that we do to the planet, we do to ourselves. We mm-hmm. do to our children, mm-hmm. and and so cleaning up your act is is a is a big picture thing. But it starts on a personal level. It starts on a level where those higher energies are making it very clear. You can't take in that GMO food. You Mm. can't take in those agricultural chemicals. You cannot eat these foods that are called foods, but that are actually not nourishing you. Mm. Mm. Yeah, the, the kids have said frequently, too, you know, there's there's all kinds of different levels of toxicity that make it challenging for them to be here. You know, the 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 physical toxicity is one thing. You know, the food element, the emotional toxicity, the mental toxicity. You know, it's mm-hmm. and all of that has um, is playing a part, is what it feels like to me, anyway. Very much so. Yeah. So, Jackie, why does why is it that it seems to me with any treatment or with any support? that there is a really natural ebb and flow. And and a lot of times I notice, 
especially, you know, when there's some type of intervention that takes place, the child will typically get better for a period of time. And then all of a sudden that that progress will begin to stop. And typically about that time the parent says, oh, my gosh, they're regressing, or oh, my gosh, this isn't working, maybe we should stop doing this, those kinds of things. So can you speak to this kind of ebb and flow that happens really with, within just about any treatment? Yes. Um, so I want to I want to just hop to the known, to a pattern that if you're a parent, you already have seen with healthy kids, and that is the whole growth spurt um, sequence of events. You know, children kind of go along at a certain pace of, of uh, integrating things and learning things and getting bigger, and then all of a sudden, you know, it'll be like, a couple of days to a couple of weeks that they're they're clumsy like they haven't been in a couple of years and and they're they're muddling things up that they know and and they're just they're not really functioning all that well and and then all of a sudden you realize that they are shooting up you know they've gone up two three inches in the space of a couple of weeks most people have seen at least once this kind of growth spurt happen what happens is it your your system has a lot of things it needs to keep in balance all the time. And and when it needs to put a lot of energy into one thing, like growing or like healing, it takes energy away from the other things that you've been doing in order to make that investment. And the less leeway that you have, and, and those of us in the autistic spectrum have very little leeway, um, the more you'll see that kind of, of dip in function when somebody's ready for another growth spurt, another healing, another round of getting better at a much more intense pace. So just just to know, our, our bodies do this in a number of ways, even for those of us who aren't in the autistic spectrum, you may have had the experience of, of getting a cold. And you know, some colds you, you can just kind of, get everything done and, and just not worry about it. Other colds, it's as though you have absolutely no energy. You can you can get up, you can make yourself a tea, and you can go back to bed. And you, it's, it's as though you can't think, it's as though you can't plan, it's as though you can't move. Everything has kind of shut down so that your body can deal with that cold. This is this is what it's like when you're when you're dealing with uh, toxin loads in the body and different types of injuries that have impaired the 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 correct developmental sequence uh, of the body. If you if you now have the materials you need to make those changes and to do that healing, and if you now have the support that you need to do that healing, you may lose a lot of function when you dive into the middle of that healing because mm-hmm. it's like having a cold. Mm-hmm. Everything else shuts down so that the energy can be focused on the healing that needs doing. So please don't look at it as a regression. It's more it's more like the old concept of a healing crisis. I also to give you know over the years, especially when I was working more as a speech language pathologist, I would watch parents go through. You know, of course, every parent wants to help as much as they can. And it was very noticeable to me that when a child was giving given all kinds of different treatments, kind of one on top of the other, you know, um, without giving the ability to kind of wait and see what what's the pattern for this particular process. And then they added another one, you know, before they could even figure out what that pattern was. It felt to me like the child became much more stressed, and of course the parents became much more stressed as well. And so I just, you know, how do you feel about kind of multiple types of treatments happening simultaneously? And it really does... depends on the treatments. Yeah. Some um, things like homeopathy and herbal first aid. Um, and um, and uh, you know general uh, safe and easy detox. Uh, you know, these are things that 
when you learn how to do them, you can you can pull them out as needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're looking at an intensive intervention, like, uh, for example, uh, one of the popular things through the Autism Research Institute is to do a uh, DMSA challenge. That's a chelating agent that pulls toxins out of their storage places mm-hmm. and into the bloodstream so you can measure how much is there. When you do something like that, um, and then and then you're wanting to do, um, you know, behavioral stuff on top or, or whatever else in the way of, of, of social cues, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Because with, with the increased amount of challenge dealing with the healing that that DMSA calls for, uh, your function is going to drop. And so expecting a child to, to continue with the same level, say, in music lessons or whatever else that you have that child involved in is, is, not, is not going to be helpful for the child. I really would encourage for any of the intensive interventions that you look at doing just that one thing and whatever will support the clearing of that one thing through the system. So rather than saying music lessons, say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do toning and we're gonna do holosync or hemisync CDs and what are we going to do to support that child in doing the integration and detoxing that they need to do in this in this particular intensive treatment time. Mm, makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Jackie, you offer some amazing, wonderful workshops. I know a lot of my certified practitioners have taken your workshops, and I've been privy to that amazing information as well. Um, could you let us know, you know, how how people can get a hold of you? Kind of some of the things that you do offer. Mm. Well, I have a, a website that's that's Thrive with Autism, not Survive, but Thrive thrivewithautism.ca and it um, uh, I'm just in the process of, of putting the materials up in a, in a do-it-yourself fashion but essentially I have a program that teaches people uh, strategies for autism recovery what has worked why it's worked and, and how to make sure you're not undermining your progress so that piece around how not to undermine your progress is, is the first um, kind of the first 12 workshops in the series. And then after that, I get deeper into um, what kinds of things will really help. Uh, so so the, those 12 are, are um, soon to be available. But right now, there's a, there's a free report on my website that's about the five root causes of autism. And what it does is it, it helps you start to tease out which root causes are most dominant in the individual that you're concerned about and, and, and how to begin to support that individual with that knowledge um, so that, so that you, can, you can approach the healing process in a, in a thoughtful and, and straightforward manner, manner rather than, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people kind of go at things scattershot. They say, okay, I'm going to do this because this person got good results, and then when they don't get good results, there's, there's frustration and upset. This, this sort of walks you through how to get better results from the get-go. Nice, nice. It's, it's amazing. I mean, just I know I've used some of the information that, you know, through your workshops, you know, in my own life because they just make really great sense, not just for individuals diagnosed with autism, but for energetically sensitive individuals in general. So it's, um, I think it has all kinds of applications. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you, when you look at it, it's, uh, many of the things that I'm recommending are very similar to what you would recommend for someone dealing with chronic fatigue or cancer or lupus or, you know, there's just so much overlap. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you're making a huge difference. I'm so glad that you are doing what you're doing because you could have just gone about your life and done it for you, but um, it's so appreciated, so appreciated. 
I couldn't. You know, when you're a highly sensitive person, you're aware of where the pain yes, spots are. Exactly. So, you know, it's, it's, you're not being true to yourself if you're not doing something about them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you also know that by supporting other individuals, it's going to make your life easier anyway. So, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jackie, thank you so much for being here today. I know we've you and I've covered other subjects at other times and you know at some point I would love to have you come back as well and have other conversations with us um and we'll spend the next probably 20 minutes of this call anyway doing a little bit of an integration which um I hope you'll stay on the line and enjoy yourself as well thanks so much for having me here today Susie you are more than welcome thanks again and that's thrivewithautism.ca right Right. Okay. Thanks so much, Jackie. It's been great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody. So one of the reasons I really wanted to bring Jackie on today is, you know, so often when I have conversations with parents because I I approach this subject from a multidimensional or an energetic vantage point, a lot of times I'll have parents who say, oh, we'll just do it via the energy. or we'll, you know, And I have other parents who come on and will say, we'll just address this via you know, the kind of physical components. And you know, I'm really excited about the day when, when the, the spiritual elements of this population and the physical elements, you know, where we're really looking at this, body, mind, and spirit, because quite frankly, all all of those are needed. They're all act and function as one. And so one of the things that I'd like to do, we're just going to take a, a, a short integration time tonight and and see where this would like to go. But I really feel like integrating that concept, integrating this concept of approaching all of our lives from mind, body, and spirit, that not one of those is better than the other, not one of those um, is almost takes precedence over the other. It's, it's this opportunity to really have that be present, that oneness present within each and every one of us. So we'll probably go over just, um, you know, a little bit today. So hang in there with me, if you will. And for about the next 15 or 20 minutes, if you'll find a place where you can just simply relax, be present with yourself. And as you find that place, go ahead and allow your eyes to close. And begin to find your breath. And one of the first places that you all are directing me to is this emotional body, this ability right now to have this clear, coherent stability in the emotional body in a way that almost allows you to act productively from the emotional body versus simply always just drawing the emotional body into the mental body, into the physical experience. It's almost like shifting it out a little bit so that that emotional body energy begins to be felt, experienced, known in its subtle in its subtlety, and that which is not productive simply begins to radiate outward, if you will, instead of moving into the mental body creating a story, and then into the physical body, creating a disharmony or a dis-ease. So if you'll place your attention in the emotional body, whatever that is for you, and just get a look at it. If I asked you to take a look at your own emotional body, feel your own emotional body, does it have a color? Does it have a texture? 
is there a sense of density in that emotional body? So we're going to have a little conversation in the emotional body, switching this up to kind of a higher dimensional communication. So just allow yourself to feel that information in that emotional body and notice what the information does to the emotional body. Let it kind of organize it, collect it up, almost categorize it in a way where we can choose what we would like to do with this emotional body energy. So here we go, right in the emotional body. Let's heighten that just a little bit with this tone. Here we go. Conversation with the emotional body. So just communicating around this whole concept of what works for you in the emotional body, what doesn't work for you in the emotional body. What is it in the emotional body that keeps you from addressing the physical body? And what discord in the emotional body keeps you disconnected from a a broader vantage point of who you really are so that the 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 mind can kind of know that about itself know that about yourself so once again right in the emotional body and i'd like you to simply notice if i if i ask the question what within the emotional body is not working in support of you caring for, loving, being appreciative of the physical body. Just notice what comes to the surface. You might see shapes, you might see colors, you might have a feeling sensation. Okay, kia kamokoa Yes, okay. Okay. And calling in a sphere of your own higher consciousness. Calling in that sphere right to your own emotional body. And simply collecting up with a lot of ease, with a lot of grace. Collecting up that which does not serve your appreciation, gratitude, love, acceptance, specifically for the physical body. As we all emerge into a a new human condition, you know, the physical body is going with us. It's the vehicle for that transformation. What does it need? So allowing all that does not serve that to be placed in that sphere of your own higher consciousness and allow that energy to drift with love and appreciation and gratitude in the vastness of your being until it moves out of your perceptual range, out of your perceptual reality. So for some of you, this connection to the physical body, you know, you for many of your children, that connection to the physical body is a little bit, there's a distancing there. But for you, there can also be a little bit of a distancing between the physical body. 
You've all been taught to not appreciate it or that it was somehow less than. So as you allow this sphere to drift in the vastness of your being, you might notice that that sphere is filled with some pretty dense energy. It might roll away from you. It might drop away from you instead of float away in the vastness of your being. Let it do what it needs to do. Oh, there we go. Big movement there. Beautiful. So again, coming right back into the emotional body. And we're going to have a little different conversation this time. What in the mental process kind of gets in the way of you caring for yourself? of you appreciating yourself, of you allowing yourself to have the emotion that you have, to feel the feelings that you feel. So right in the emotional body, let's call up this mental discord in the emotional body. Here we go. A nice inhale and exhale. So just notice the clarity in the mental body. Even the suggestion... Placing your attention and intention in the mental body in this way just allows a clarity, a clarity of what the physical body may need and the thought process, the action, if you will, necessary to go in that direction, but also the clarity to feel, experience, be in awe and wonder of the subtle experiences and allowing those to be present as well. So right in the mental body, anything that's creating discord, disorder, dis-ease, Noticing that as we place our attention in on those topics, you might again see color or shape, texture, density. Let it be there. Let it just arise. No need to analyze. No need to speculate. Just let it kind of come out of the shadows. Just allowing those aspects to be seen. Kind of as Jackie was talking about, you know, it's, I notice the challenge. The challenge in the mental body, it's there but it can also be appreciated and seen and noticed. So go ahead and allow yourself to call in again a sphere of your own higher consciousness, collecting up any of that mental discord and allowing it to be collected up again, being seen, appreciated, loved, accepted and notice the density of that sphere as you fill it up so again it might it might roll out of your perceptual reality out of the vastness of your being it might drop out it might even be funny 
that it has the density that it has. Just allowing it to move in the vastness of your being. Here we go. Allowing it to move out of your perceptual reality. Here we go. And let's move right back into the emotional body. Notice its clarity. And even more so, just notice the space that's available. This is that same space that allows you to say, I notice versus having a reaction. It's the same space that allows you the opportunity to experience a moment without being hooked into a past moment. It's just space. Beautiful, clear, coherent space in the emotional body that radiates to the clarity in the mental body, that radiates into the physical body, creating almost sustenance, life energy, radiates out through the dimensional realms and into the soul and the spirit, creating a very clear pathway, if you will. We've talked a lot about the kids getting stuck in the emotional body, stuck in their own integration process, right in that emotional band. And just pay attention to yours right now because it's beautifully clear. Okay, again, one more time in the emotional body. Going ahead and building coherence in that clarity. Okay, Here we go. present with yourself and in that presence is naturally and organically love, acceptance, appreciation and when you've got it for you you've got it to give it radiates out everywhere it creates a space for your children, your families, those individuals that come into your space, and ultimately for humanity. Never underestimate that what we do for ourselves, we do for the all. I say so, and it is so. So finding your breath again. If you've drifted a little bit during this process, use the words that you hear to bring your attention into the physical. And as you bring your attention to the physical, allow the physical to begin to move. You know, wiggling fingers and toes and stretching, rotating your neck, shrugging your shoulders. 
still. So just before you make any other movements, any other changes, just notice the presence available in the body. Notice how the mind feels. How is your emotional stability? Is there a vibrance in the physical body that may not have been there before? Noticing it, appreciating it. So now finding your breath and taking three nice deep inhalations and exhalations. And on that third exhalation, breathe your eyes open. Noticing that you are still in that state even with your eyes open. Clarity, mental, physical, emotional, spirit, mind, body, spirit, all connected. All right. Everybody back. Eyes open. Beautiful. All right. Thank you for sharing this time with me. I hope this episode was helpful in bringing a greater sense of calm and purpose to your lives as guardians of these amazing children. You, like your children, are playing a significant role in human evolution, and your conscious participation in this role, body, mind, and spirit, makes life not only much richer for you and your families, but for all of us. You have not chosen an easy role, but you have chosen one that holds amazing potential and possibilities. When humanity understands who your children really are and what they are here to offer, we will be blessed with not only seeing them, but the deeper truth of who we are as well. If you would like additional information about the children and support in your connection to them, please visit my website at suzymiller.com. That's S-U-Z-Y-M-I-L-L-E-R. There you'll find articles, videos, books, and details for the upcoming certification process. Our next certification begins on July 1st, and I'm currently offering free 20-minute consultations for those who are interested in this process. Dr. Bill Tiller and I will be offering a free teleseminar on June 17th for those interested in the next Autism Intention Program, which begins in July. Please join me again on Peer Presence All About the Kids on June 28th. You can also tune in to Peer Presence Aligning to Self on June 7th or June 21st. I'd also like to remind you that the Awakening Zone has two workshops open for registration. Pepper Lewis presents Rituals for Rebirth, a Shamanic Drumming Circle and Channel from Gaia, and Steve and Barbara Rother will be offering Quantum Channeling, Steve and Barbara believe that everyone can channel and it's just a matter of finding and developing the method that works best for you. Quantum channeling can help you do just that. Go to awakeningzone.ing.com to register for these great workshops. Coming up next on the Awakening Zone at 1 p.m. Central Daylight Time is Miriam Knight with the New Consciousness Review. Miriam's guest will be Nicholas Ortner, CEO of Tapping Solutions, discussing the tools of EFT, the Emotional Freedom Technique. Thank you again, everybody, for being here with us today. Thank you, Jackie, for enlightening us, giving us the information that you have, and I hope to have you back again very soon. So until next time on Peer Presence, all about the kids, many, many blessings.
been listening to the Awakening Zone Radio Network, offering insights and inspiration for our evolving consciousness. Consciousness.